0: 91.1 Weagle presents the scoreboard with Bay, Marks, and Jacob Hillman. Your cars are welcome at 334-844-9345. Call now. You can follow Jacob and Bay on Twitter at Bay underscore Marks and at Jacob underscore Hillman 3. Now let's take a look at the scoreboard with Bay and
1: Jacob. Welcome to the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM or streaming at WeagleFM.com. Jacob Hillman sitting alongside Bay Marks, as always, on this and dreary Thursday afternoon. But we're going to make it less dreary and turn on the scoreboard and talk about a lot of things today. We're leading off with Auburn football as the Tigers control their own destiny. They do. And we're going to talk about their win over Ole Miss, as well as looking ahead to Saturday in College Station. But Bay, how are you doing today?
0: I am doing good. Like you mentioned, Auburn controls their own destiny in the West, so this weekend was great. I've had a very busy week today, and I gave a huge presentation this morning um, that I've been looking forward to all semester, so I got that off my plate. So uh,
1: Looking I'm, forward to as in excited for it, or you're just in the back of your mind it's been there? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Not, <laughs> just kind of so.
0: ready to get over with. But regardless, uh, ready
1: for the weekend to say the least. Well, Auburn will travel to College Station for a 2:30 CBS matchup, as as we mentioned, Auburn controlling its own destiny in the SEC West, and I would say in with the college football playoff, they come in ranked at 13 in the nation, and Georgia, Alabama, they are atop at the rankings, and Texas A&M is right behind Auburn at 14. So let's look back though to the Ole Miss game on Halloween Eve as Lane Kiffin and company came into town and. Fell to Auburn, 31-20. to 20. What were the takeaways from that game? Well,
0: I mean, there was a lot of things to take away from that game. It, I mean, the, first of all, the atmosphere in Jordan here was electric, as we predicted. Uh, we knew it was going to be insane. Orange face mask came out right after the scoreboard went live uh, Thursday, so those were cool to see. But for the game, um, Auburn got off to a very hot start on offense in the first half, scoring 28 points in the first half. Seeing Matt Corral go down in the first quarter, um, we truly didn't know if he was going to come back due to his ankle injuries that he's been dealing with and then injuring uh, the other ankle in the Auburn game. Um, but overall, Auburn had a great game plan in the first half. The second half was really a battle of two defenses, both teams only giving up a field goal to each other, and then Auburn winning 31-20. to So the biggest takeaway for me was the fact that in the first half, it was the offense's time to shine, and Bo Nix and Tank Bigsby and then in the second half, the defense really stepped up to the plate.
1: Yeah, it feels like that third quarter was a game where both teams were trying to lose the game as Ole Miss went for it on several fourth downs that didn't really make sense. Auburn turning the ball over a few times and just not really, you know, really taking advantage of the opportunities they had. So it was good that the Auburn defense stepped up when the way they did and only held Ole Miss to three points in that second half. There's that stat out there in Auburn's three SEC wins. They've outscored opponents 27 to nothing in the fourth quarter. That is an impressive statistic, and it's the reason they've won these games.
0: Yeah, and I was just going to add to that, Jacob. You mentioned in the second half their defense, especially in these last few games. The defense in the second half this past Saturday, I believe overall um, Auburn held Ole Miss to their second lowest uh, combined total of yards this season, Um, and I believe this is the lowest amount of points Ole Miss has scored all year. It is. So, I mean, that's just a testimony
1: to – Derek Mason and company and I really think that the defense constantly improving every each and every week it's improving that's that's what we've noticed when we talked about a little bit throughout this year and I feel like the second half defense in each and every game has been the the highlight for the defensive side of the football so it, it's an exciting time as as Auburn has a chance at the SEC West and a chance at making it to Atlanta making it to the college football playoff and just in coach Brian Harson's first year so Whenever you look back at this old Miss game, what is it that you know? We we expected a lot of points, and we could have gotten that, but the second half didn't let that happen. So I, I really want to know what what do you what do you what do you need to improve on from that old Miss game moving forward to make sure that you continue to improve because, like I said, each and every week this team's improving. So what is it this week that needs to happen for Auburn to beat Texas A&M?
0: I just think it's a consistency on both sides of the ball. Um, I think in the second half, the offense is something that really needs to pick up, and that's kind of been uncharacteristic of the last two um, SEC wins Auburn has had against LSU and Arkansas, respectively. In the second half, the offense has uh, picked up, and then in the second half against Ole Miss, the offense was very stagnant. Like we said, only scored three points in the second half. Um And also just the defense, I understand it's scripted plays, but in the first half you really kind of want to establish yourself yourself, instead of waiting until the second half like they did against Ole Miss, Arkansas, and LSU to kind of understand the opponent's game plan and really kind of settle in. Um, But, I mean, you can't complain too much about the offense like I am right now in the second half, especially when you have Bo Nix playing with a chip on his shoulder. He finished 22 of 30 for 276 and a touchdown. I mean, he's just been improving every single week. And then finally, we hammered it here on the scoreboard last week, Hillman, was the fact that we wanted to see Tank Bigsby run the ball more and get him more touches. He had nearly 100 yards in the first half, finished with 141 yards and a touchdown in that game. Um, And then finally, the wide receivers just – Getting the ball spread out to them, they were making great plays. But, um, sorry, long answer short, just consistency from offense or from the offense throughout the entire game and the defense settling in early. The interesting
1: thing to me about the receivers, I wonder when the last time Auburn had 10 different receivers catch the ball.
0: Sounds like a question for uh, Kirk Sampson.
1: Yeah, because that's not something we usually see, as you could see. Kobe Hudson had six catchers. Demetrius Robertson and Shedrick Jackson had three. Tyler Fromm Tyler had that big 30-yard catch to start the second half. And it's all about the tight ends. John Samuel Shanker, Luke Deal, and Tyler Fromm all catching passes. And that doesn't even include Landon King, who, who he, he was out there some but wasn't able to get the football. So I think the big thing is that Bo Nix has figured out how to spread the football around, and that is really helping his game. I also think his rushing. He ran for 30 yards, really ran for 46, but he had 16 uh, yards lost in, in, in sack yardage. But he ran for two touchdowns. He started to use his legs and spread the football out. And I feel like that's something that fans have asked of him for so long was just, man, if he doesn't target one receiver, if he uses his legs as a weapon, he will be such a good quarterback. And as you can see – that is starting to happen.
0: Yeah, and we're seeing that variety in the offense, whether it's Bobo using his legs or Mike Bobo letting Bonick spread the ball out with his arm. And I like that you mentioned the um, tight ends, and I'm well, not to beat a dead horse, but Auburn has really used their tight ends this year. We saw a lot of 12 formations and 13 formations on Saturday night, um, especially in short down territory. We saw Luke Front or. Um, uh, Tyler Fromm and uh, Luke Deal out there multiple times with John Samuel Shanker or vice versa. We even saw J.J. Pegues come out there at the goal line when Tank Bigsby jumped over the top um, and scored that touchdown. So uh, just to add on to what you said, Jacob, just the variety and the dynamics that Mike Bobo has brought these last several weeks uh, to this offense has been something special to watch. It makes it hard to defend, truly. It does. And did you see Nick Brom's quote on the
1: Auburn tight ends? rather being the closest position group in the team? Not, not quite, he said. He said, I didn't know that they could catch, honestly. I thought they were just blockers, <laughs> referring to, obviously, years past where John Samuel Schenker was. He caught maybe five passes in a year. So, yeah. No, it, it, it shows that they know the impact that these tight ends are having throughout the entire team. So it's nice to see that they are finally getting the football and they are making the impact that they are having because – it really feels like this team wouldn't be the same without them.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, that was kind of the big thing when we hired Harson and Boba was looking for those tight ends. Now Auburn's got it, and we realize how lethal the offense can be when you're having to defend having to defend Bonex's arms and legs, Tank Bigsby coming out of the backfield receiving and running, wide receivers, and now the tight end. So, um, and just one more thing to add on to this game because I know we got to move on to Texas AM. It was so great having Owen Papo back. I know he wasn't 100%, and I know Zacoby McLean had one of the better games of his career. I think he had 14 tackles. But seeing Owen Papo back out there, I mean, he had a huge tackle for loss in the first half. I mean, he's hey, just a difference
1: maker. Oh, and that tackle, he looked 100%. He, he looked did. good. And listen, you don't have to be 100% to see, to see what he did. He he recognized the play, and he executed and made that tackle. But as you said, time to move forward. Time to look at Texas A&M. These are the Aggies. They are 6-2, and 3-2 and two in conference, including a win over Alabama at home earlier this year. What's Auburn got to do to get it done in Aggieland?
0: Well, as everybody knows with the series history, A, Auburn right. has never lost in Aggieland. I'm going to go ahead and knock on wood. Uh, B, to add to that, Texas A&M leads the series 6-5. to five. Um, So this series is pretty neck and neck. Um, and I think the biggest thing for Auburn playing this Texas A&M team is is not letting the road get to you just like they did against Arkansas. Arkansas showed up loud and energetic at 11 a.m. This game's at 2.30 p.m. It's also the uh, prime game on CBS this week. Um, I think the biggest thing for Auburn is to continue to let Bo play with that chip on his shoulder with the running game, with his legs and passing, and also letting that defense settle in. Um, I think the biggest challenge going into College College Station besides the crowd is going to be um, trying to fight up against that Texas A&M defense because they've shown flashes this year of them being a really good defense. And I mean, we saw it against Bama; they got timely stops. They kind of gave them some trouble when uh, Alabama was on offense. And I mean, it's not to say they don't have any weaknesses. They've lost to Arkansas and Mississippi State this year, um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens in this
1: ranked matchup in College Station. Texas A&M opened as a four and a half point favorite over Auburn this weekend, and I I, I really agree with you to that. It's all about the quarterback. It's all about Bo Nix. And I think even on the Texas AM side, it's all about Zach Calzada. Whenever he plays well, Texas AM plays well. It's up to the Auburn defensive front to not let that happen. You got guys coming back. TD Moultrie, Owen Papo returned last week. And now that they've played that one game, it seems like this is their best chance to really settle in and play like they have earlier in the year because Moultrie hasn't really played since September. And, Owen Papo is the same way so it's gonna be really nice to see both of those guys settle back in and ready to go in this huge road matchup and I really think that the defensive front gets their pressure kind of like they did against Arkansas that you got a great chance to win this football game
0: yeah I think it's also uh like you mentioned large to note the fact that T.D. Moultrie came back a guy that obviously hasn't been with the team for several weeks um and there was just a lot going on within the athletic department and within the football team last week I think it spoke volumes for Auburn to keep their heads level. And I think that's a huge credit to Brian Harson. And I think he's going to get, do a good job um, of them doing that this week. Bo said on out-of-pocket on SEC Network the other night, something to the effect of uh, Harson's always bringing a good game plan to the table. He stays focused to the fundamentals and the details of everything. And truly, I know it sounds like pretty pretty basic stuff, but I think that might be a key difference this weekend because that's a place where you make one or too many two mistakes Uh that's not a place where you'll come out of with a victory. And
1: that's what happened to Alabama. They made a bunch of mistakes early in the first half that cost them because at the end they had to come back. And once they got to that point, it was too late, and Texas A&M really clinched that game. So you're exactly right. Don't make mistakes, and you're going to have a chance to win the football game because the defense is constantly improving. The offense is executing as long as they're not making mistakes. So, as you said, I think that's what it's all about is going in and and really handling that road environment well because – you know, those Aggie fans are going to be fired up. They will be. It's and I I know a few
0: people that are going. So oh, surely shir- yeah. the Auburn faithful will be there. Auburn always has really a big show out there. But again, for me, the biggest thing is going to be Bo Nick still playing with that drive and that determination because he's completely been a different football player. I agree. Um, I mean, it's it's been quite obvious ever since uh, Georgia the Georgia State. State game. Yeah, he he. I know he was injured. and He was kind of having to rehab during that week, so he didn't really prepare to the best visibility, but. Really and truly, uh, he's been, you could honestly say, he's been one of the better quarterbacks the last few weeks in college football.
1: I mean, it's not a stretch to say that at all because uh, uh, just the nature of the season where nobody's really grabbing that Heisman, and I'm not calling Bo Nick's a Heisman contender, no, but it, yeah, yeah. there's really no one out there. I mean, I guess C.J. Stroud's been performing really well for Ohio State, but other than that, Bryce Young, Matt Corral, they've been good, but nothing to, nothing to really just be like they are the headlines of the country so yeah I think Bo Nix has a chance to really grab some headlines and, and really show why people were saying this is the year coming into the season
0: and I mentioned the fact that that Auburn has to has to go against that crowd noise a really interesting stat to look at is Auburn is fourth nationally having only allowed eight sacks so far this season and in four of our games so far this year the Tigers have not allowed a sack um, so, I think the biggest thing is going to be with that crowd noise because Texas AM with the midnight yell and everything will be rocking. Having that O line really settled in and not allowing any sacks towards Bo Nix. Um, well, yeah. Keeping his jersey clean will be huge.
1: Yeah. Ha- yeah. If, if Bo Nix goes down a few times, that crowd will just get even, even rowdier. So, we want to prevent that from happening. But, you know what it's time for? How do we think the Tigers fare in college station? I think it's
0: interesting to look at because Albert's coming off a win. Texas A&M has looked good lately. I picked Auburn last week, and I, I was scared to, but I'm not scared to pick them this week. I think Auburn does truly get it done on the road. I just think Auburn has too much momentum to not win this game. I don't think it's by a wide margin. Auburn wins by 10. Wow. I think 35 to 24-ish, somewhere in there.
1: I don't buy Texas A&M that much. I think they are a good football team. I think they're a top 25 team. I think Auburn's a top 15 team. Yeah. They might even be a top 10 team. We don't know that yet, but I think Auburn's going to go into Aggieland They're going to win. I'm not going to say by that wide of a margin, but I think by a touchdown.
0: I just don't like them after watching them against Colorado early in the season. I know they beat Bama, but after watching them, especially
1: losing to State, I can't buy them either. It's hard, too. That is our Auburn football segment where we reviewed the Ole Miss game and looked ahead to Texas A&M on the other side of this break. We look at the rest of college football and give our picks. You're listening to the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM. Thank you for tuning into the scoreboard
0: with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find the scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. Welcome back to the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM. Or if you are listening to Jacob and myself live on WeagleFM.com, thank you for joining today's show. Live from the Auburn University Student Center, the longest running sports radio talk show here at Auburn University at WEGL. Nationally nominated. Let's try to get another one this year. We're going to try. If you want to call in to be a part of the program, feel more than welcome. You can call in at 334-844-9345. 334-844-9345. Those last four digits spell out Weagle. As we get into our college football discussion of the week, going to get into some predictions. Also going to touch on the, uh, I guess the most appropriate word to use would be controversial Uh rankings of the initial college football playoff rankings of this season. Um, So we're going to touch on all of that in this segment for today. So going ahead, getting started, we are going to go ahead and look at Saturday. And we're going to start it out with an 11 a.m. game with the number one team in the nation. Georgia remains at number one in the college football playoff poll. They're going to host Missouri and poor, poor Missouri on ESPN in the morning. The spread is 38 and a half. Um,
1: I think they cover. Probably. Uh, probably. And it's now I will say, you never know. With the 11 a.m. kick, it's going to be a little chilly. Georgia might start oh, off. come small. on. Georgia might start off. I mean, they didn't against Arkansas, but come on. whatever. i just like to point that out. Georgia
0: by 40. Georgia does stay at number one in this poll from the AP poll as they are without a doubt the most dominant
1: team in the nation. Yeah, unanimously. I saw the, the BCS what-if rankings, and they are unanimous across every single computer ranking.
0: Yeah. So uh, very, that's actually how good they are. Very fitting for them. Nebraska going to host the newly ranked number five uh, Ohio State Buckeyes. Ohio State, like I said on the show last week, or I believe it might have been two weeks ago, really just been climbing ever since that Oregon loss. Um, And, I mean, they are on a roll right now. I mean, they've just been dominating their opponents, averaging nearly 50 points a game, uh, and they're going to travel to the unranked Cornhuskers. I think Ohio State wins, but, I mean, that's huge for them to be right outside
1: of the top four. I saw a report where Scott Frost might be fired after this week, but for Ohio State's sake, they need to go in and they need to dominate this game because of. it seems like if they go in and they kind of just fiddle around and Nebraska gets another seven-point loss like it seems like they only do, there might be questions even if Ohio State beats Michigan State and Michigan because I think that's what the committee's waiting for is for Ohio State to get that signature win since they didn't get it against Oregon. And whenever they do, they might up, Ohio State over Oregon. They just beat Penn State, but
0: we're in for a uh, huge November in the Big Ten, to say the least, with Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State. Um, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Here's where I really want to get into the playoff poll. Number nine, Wake Forest traveling to North Carolina. And the reason I want to get into this is not only are the Demon Deacons 8-0 and underdogs going into this 11-a-m <laughs> game, but I forgot who it was, but they brought up an interesting point. And correct me if I'm wrong, or correct him if he's wrong. But he said, you know, if if Wake Forest, if their colors were purple and orange and their name were the Clemson Tigers, would they be ranked this low considering that they're beating up on the same teams this year that Clemson is already normally beating
1: up on every single year? I think he's exactly right. I think that if you – because obviously this is where preseason bowls come into play where, well, if it's a team already ranked at the top, they're going to stay at the top until they lose. If it's a team that's ranked at the bottom, well – They they're have gonna, to earn it. They have to earn it, which yeah. – Feels like Wake Forest is earning it, like Clemson has earned it, but I guess it's not enough for them to be ranked even in the top six to be the, on the outside looking in because number nine is not not really close. Like you, you gotta, you need help if you're number nine. Yeah. So, and that's very possible with the way the season's going. But you know, I just, I, I just, it's hard for me to say that Wake Forest should be this low.
0: Yeah, and, and that's what my point is, is I think they, they definitely deserve the recognition, recognition of being a little bit higher, but this game actually be might be one of the more interesting games we see so far um, for this weekend in the ACC. Do you have Wake Forest continuing their undefeated streak this season, or do you have North Carolina pulling off an upset at home?
1: Yeah, I do have Wake Forest winning. I really like what Hartman's done at quarterback, and I think that he can continue that against North Carolina. This is a, this is a defense that isn't, you know, they're not bad against the pass, but... I think that they can be taken advantage of. And I think that Wake Forest will be able to do that. And North Carolina, they're just a hit-or-miss team. They're on and off every single week. This
0: over-under is 76-and-a-half. Bet the over. I think that these two quarterbacks can duel for a highly um, offensive-powered game, especially with Sam Howell this weekend. So, bet the over. Um, We're going to go ahead and move on. Ole Miss, after dropping to Auburn, just wanted to point out that they stay at 16. They face their former head coach and Hugh Freeze. Uh, at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium this weekend at 11 a.m. We obviously have them winning, um, but do you think 16 is appropriate after they drop to Auburn?
1: Yeah, and obviously the SEC is going to get those. I mean, why is Mississippi State 17? I don't know. But they're going to get the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. So they're going to be ranked higher than maybe they should be, but I think Ole Miss, they're about right. Because I also think that part of it is just that it was a tough game, Jordan Hair, if Lane Kiffin had just kicked those field goals. That that would have made a lot of difference. Yeah,
0: and we will definitely be getting into Mississippi State here in a minute. Um, but I, I think it's pretty fitting, and we'll, we'll see what happens with them uh, moving onward throughout this season.
1: You know what's interesting about this matchup as well? What's that? Matt Corral and Malik Willis are the, the both teams <laughs> leading passers and rushers. So yeah. Another game where two quarterbacks are going to be dueling, and it might be a lot of fun to watch. We live in a simulation, truly. We do, I think. Michigan State moves up to number
0: three after a huge home win against their arch rival Michigan last week. At home, that was a crazy game to watch. Um, I mean, Kenneth Walker the Third is an absolute dude, and he might be at the top of the Heisman race right now. He's got to be. Up next to Bryce Young and Matt Corral. Um, is three fitting for Michigan State? Should they be number two over Alabama, and do they win this weekend on the road?
1: Well, what I'll say is Alabama, I think they should be in the playoff currently, but I don't think they should be number two. I think they Agreed. should be right number four. Agreed. That's about where I would place them, but yeah, this now what I'll say about this game is how interesting it is with, Michigan State only being a three-point favorite yeah that shows the respect that that Vegas has for Purdue playing at home because when they play at home they they usually are fired up and they show up like they did against Iowa so I I, I think Michigan State goes in and gets it done. And, and they did it, get it done by like a score. I think it's going to be a close game.
0: I think Michigan State wins. I like Peyton Thornton, especially Kenneth Walker III. I just bragged on him. I think the rushing yards is going to be the biggest thing in the game for him. But watch out Purdue has already beaten a top three team this yeah. year. They did it on the road at Iowa. So, uh,
1: I mean, and also look at the Purdue rushing defense. They allow 139 yards per game. Yeah. That's why I think it'll be close. And Kenneth Walker, he's going to do his thing where he's not going to put up a ton of crazy numbers, but he's going to make. Those yards count. Yeah, watch out
0: for Walker. I mean, he, like I said, he should be in New York towards the end of this season. Cincinnati drops to number six from the number two spot. The committee doesn't have as much respect for them as some people might have, um, and they are a 22.5-point favorite. So, obviously, we have them winning at home, but are Desmond Ritter and the Bearcats ranked too low?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think my college football rankings currently would be Georgia at one. Agreed. Cincinnati at two. Mm. Michigan State at three, Alabama at four. Switch Cincinnati and Michigan State for me, and you got a deal. Fair, but point is, is that I think Mich- that, you know, everyone talks about all right, the the group of five schools not getting the respect that they deserve, and you know I agree to a certain extent, and I think that Cincinnati is getting disrespected. It, this shows that they probably have no chance unless all those teams in front of them lose.
0: Well, and my biggest thing is they've already beaten a top 10 Notre Dame team right. on the road this year. Well, here's the thing.
1: Also, Notre Dame has lost like two home games in the last five years. And one of those is to Cincinnati. Yeah. What What else is there to say? It, it shows that Cincinnati belongs and that they are playing good football and they are they are handling business the correct way. So the
0: recti- the rest of their schedule is all unranked teams. So I, I think I'm in agreement
1: with you something crazy's got to happen uh in front of them. I think SMU is a is a team that probably yeah, they're 7 and 1. So SMU is a week where Cincinnati will have to go in because SMU could be ranked by the time they play. So there's another chance to get a ranked win. Yeah.
0: Moving on real quick in the Big 12, a really quick pick. Oklahoma State is at 11. Baylor is at 12, and they're both on the road this week at West Virginia for the um, Cowboys and then at TCU for the Bears. Do either of these teams lose in their new, uh, new rankings in the poll?
1: Yeah, I, if I'm going to pick a team to lose, it's going to be Oklahoma State. TCU agreed. just lost Gary Patterson, so I think Baylor goes in and rolls. But, yeah, agreed. But going to West Virginia is such a tough place to play, especially when Jared Doge is playing – playing pretty good football. He's got 2,000 passing yards on the season. I'm going to pick Oklahoma State. I think that they do get it done in Morgantown.
0: Yeah, I'm actually going to go with West Virginia here. This is going to be my upset of the week. Um, Just looking at this game, like you just said, really that home field advantage does it for me. Um, And I don't think Oklahoma State, I think this might be a nail in their coffin for pushing them out of the Big 12 race. Um, so keep an eye on that game this weekend. So let's go ahead and get into the Mississippi State at Arkansas. Arkansas is unranked, and Mississippi State is number 17. A lot of people really didn't like that ranking for the Bulldogs either, and they are an underdog on the road this weekend.
1: Yeah, it, it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, they go for Mississippi State for beating Texas A&M and beating Kentucky last week. Yeah, but I'm you sorry. lose 49-9 to Alabama, and you lose at LSU. I think both of those teams. Or versus LSU. Yeah, and, and the Memphis loss will give... We're not going to count that because that that loss was on the officials. So, yeah, the point is, I don't think you should get as much credit for being Kentucky and Texas A&M as Mississippi State is getting, especially Texas A&M when they did. I don't think Texas A&M was quite ready yet, and they – I don't know. Point being, I think Mississippi State is going to show why they're overrated this year. I think Arkansas is going to get to win, and I think they get it by double digits.
0: I think Arkansas wins as well. I – I can see Mississippi State being ranked, but nothing higher than 23 or 22. Both of these teams should be between 20 and 25 in the polls, in my opinion. Um, And I think Arkansas is going to show that this weekend at home with Sam Pittman and company. Like we just mentioned, Alabama at number two. They're hosting LSU in a 6 o'clock matchup on ESPN. How much does Alabama win by?
1: I don't know if they cover. I I think LSU will hold them uh, to a low amount of points, and that will help them cover. I think Alabama wins by about 21 I agree. I think Bama wins by probably twenty-one to twenty-four. Uh, I think it's a slow start
0: early, just due to the fact that it's LSU Alabama, and that's always a tough matchup. Um, but nonetheless, I have the Tide at home. Real quick, Kentucky hosts Tennessee. Any chance for Tennessee to upset the eighteenth-ranked Wildcats? No, I don't. And interesting is that this game is a pick'em. Kentucky's not favored, so
1: I- I'm, I'm going to pick the Wildcats. I'm going to go with the Wildcats too. I don't think Tennessee's got what it takes, and I also don't think Tennessee's been as awful as we thought, as we think this year. But I just don't think that they have what what it'll take to beat Kentucky on the road. Agreed. Oregon at
0: Washington, number four Oregon, mind you. So they're still in the playoff picture as the first rankings come out. 6.30,
1: this is the ABC game of the week. Does Washington pull out an upset? No, I don't think they do. And I think what makes it interesting is that Oregon, look at the rest of their schedule, It's not that strong. What's going to happen if the Ducks finish 12-1 and with the Pac-12 championship?
0: Yeah, I don't think Washington and Morris have a strong enough offense. I think Oregon covers that 7-point spread, and they win a Pac-12 game on the road. And real quick to end this off, Jacob, Michigan, who lost last week to Michigan State, they go ahead and have a home game this week against Indiana
1: on Fox at 630. So the thing about Michigan is I remember last week I said that they were different. I picked Michigan against Michigan State. They were up, but then, uh, (laughs) well— Then you have Michigan State come back. So yeah. I'm picking Michigan in this game, and I think that you're gonna see a fun rivalry Saturday with Michigan Ohio State.
0: Yeah, I think that uh Michigan's gonna bounce back. That was a tough loss on the road. I still really like what I've seen from Harbaugh and then this year. You could have argued that they should have won that game. Oh yeah. Um, so in simple terms, I have them winning. On the other side of the break, we're gonna go ahead and get into the NFL. And then later on, Jacobs Braves are World Series champions. Don't miss that and more on the other side of this break. WEGL 91.1 FM, this is The Scoreboard.
1: We're already halfway done with the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can find more Weagle content at WeagleFM.com or on social media at Weagle underscore AU. Welcome back into The Scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM or streaming at WeagleFM.com. We are halfway through today's episode of The Scoreboard. If you miss any of it, you can go back and listen to the podcast after we're done. Search the scoreboard wherever you find your podcast. Jacob Hillman sitting alongside Babe Marks as we are about to dive in to some NFL predictions as... past weekend was pretty interesting, I would say. And... Uh, yeah. I mean... I mean, I feel like every year the,
0: the NFL, for different reasons, is just interesting week in and week out, but just... I mean, there's just so much that has happened on and off the field in the NFL this week that's just kept you glued to your TV. Yeah,
1: your, your Packers got a win against the Cardinals and, and now Aaron Rodgers is out. Yeah, with I mean half of our team. So wild. I didn't get to watch much of the NFL last weekend because I was in Atlanta for World Series game five. Well, get well you didn't miss much with second. your
0: team. I'll I'll tell you that.
1: Hey, we won. They I could have gone to the game, but I decided I want to sleep in before I had a full day at the battery. But let's get into tonight. Thursday Night Football, woo! Jets-Colts. This is going to be a good one, I'm sure. Well, a week ago tonight, we actually
0: did have a really good Thursday yes, Night Football matchup.
1: And now we get this, which, hey, look, the Jets got Mike White. He looked good, right? <laughs> right? This, right? Is just,
0: this just falls under the stereotypical Thursday Night Football game and the criteria underneath it. Colts are 10-point
1: favorites at Lucas Oil Stadium. Take the Colts. Do, do they cover? Uh, Negative. All right. I, I say Colts by seven points. Yeah, I agree. Going to Sunday, 12 o'clock matchup, Browns and Bengals. This is at Cincinnati. Man, the Bengals, what in the world happened last week to them?
0: I mean, Cincinnati just, I think they kind of just shot themselves in the foot at New York. Um, I think the more interesting thing to think about is They've won two out of their last three, um, and they're facing a divisional rival who has had just as many, you know, dramatic issues throughout their team as any other team has had so far in the NFL this year. I mean, Baker Mayfield is still battling injuries. Odell Beckham Jr., I mean, he's been asked to not come to practice. Yeah, I Yeah, mean, trauma. Just, yeah, to say the least. So, I mean, just with all that going on, I know Cincinnati lost to the Jets last week, but there is no way they lose this game at home. I'm, I like Bojera. Bojuro.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jared is <was Joe>, disappointed.
0: <laughs> Joe Burrow. I like Joe Burrow and the Jets at home. Or the Bengals at home. What am I what
1: All right, I, I agree. I like Bojuro and the Jets at home <laughs> as well against the Browns. And I think that they're going to cover oh, as well. I don't take much into that Jets loss. I just think that, you know, they, they just killed the Ravens. They were probably really on a high, and they weren't really too focused on the terrible Jets. So give me the Bengals and the points. Moving on to... AT&T Stadium. Cowboys hosting the Broncos, who just lost Von Miller to a trade. Yeah, they actually
0: they won the game um, after a four-game losing streak, um, but I like the Cowboys at home. They are on a win streak, and it's in Jerry's world. I think this game will be closer than a 10-point uh, game like the spread indicates, so I think Denver covers, but I like Dak and company at home. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what the Broncos defense does without that veteran presence of Miller um, with them on that defensive line,
1: yeah, I think I think Dak Prescott is going to uh, eat this Broncos defense alive. He's going to pass for probably three to four hundred yards, and it'll it'll be a Cowboys win by fourteen points. And holy cow, look at this matchup: uh, one in seven Texans uh, against a one in seven Dolphins.
0: Well, let me say this: the only way this could get worse is if you replace the Dolphins with the Jaguars.
1: Yeah, so only or way. or the Lions. <laughs> I forgot they still didn't want to get well, right. The,
0: the Lions are better than all three of them. I agree. I agree so, I with that. Mean,
1: all right. Whatever. let's go ahead and pick this. If you, hey, if you want to go to Miami, take the as low lowest eleven dollars. You can watch Davis Mills and Tua showdown. Who are we picking? <laughs> I'm gonna pick Miami at home. Um, literally, th- this
0: game could be a pick 'em just due to the fact they're both one in seven and they nearly average the same amount of points given up and points for. So actually, I just you know I just realized I believe that Terod Taylor will be back this weekend. Okay. Well, I, regardless, yeah. I I still like Miami. Um, t- give me them at home, and uh, I don't even think they cover the spreads five and a half points. So. Beat three to two
1: here. Okay. Anyway, because <laughs> yeah. because I just realized Taylor's back. game. I, I'm gonna pick Terod Taylor and the Texans on the road. All right, moving on to an NFC South Divisional matchup. Falcons-Saints. Falcons just lost to the Panthers. I have a feel, and the Saints just lost to Winston. This is a weird one. Are the Falcons going to tank? Are the Saints going to tank?
0: I think the Falcons win this game. Um, I know that they lost to the Panthers last week, but early in that game, I liked what I saw from Matt Ryan um, before his hand got stepped on and got all bloody. Um, but I think the fact that New Orleans lost Jameis Winston, even if Taysom Hill is healthy enough to come back, I don't like him or Trevor Simeon as much as I like uh, Matt Ryan and them. Now, it will be interesting to see what happens with their offense without their star receiver of Calvin Ridley. Kyle Pitts has stepped up nice as of lately. lately. Um, we wish all the bets t- best to Calvin Ridley. But I like Atlanta on the road in this divisional matchup.
1: Yeah, I actually agree with this because I, I think the Saints are going to take a week or two to figure things out with the new quarterback situation. And I think that Matt Ryan can take advantage of that coming into the Superdome. We're going to stay in the NFC South. What should have been Cam Newton's return game is Mac Jones' first trip to the Carolina Panthers. My Panthers, they they got a win last week. That was nice. Uh, still just not confident in them bouncing back or anything. So, which way are we going with this? The Patriots are 3-0 and on the road, by the way.
0: Two and two. Or, I'm sorry, two, four, and four teams. Um going battle or going to battle in carolina i think i'm going to have to lean with the patriots i'm sorry jacob um just because i've said i said it when y'all acquired him i don't like sam darnold um i don't know how much joe brady's liking him right now but not n- clearly not a lot as you yeah, mentioned so... last
1: week and he got hurt <laughs> yeah so uh give me the patriots on the road yeah i'm going to pick the patriots as well i don't think the panthers pass defense has been Amazing this year. It's only been 270 passing yards allowed. But I think Mac Jones could come in and and do some work. So Patriots on the road as we move on to Raiders and Giants in MetLife. Does Danny Dimes
0: figure something out? You know, with everything that's happened with Las Vegas this week um, and actually this season, just in yeah, general, I was going to say um, you you really want to pick against them, but. Something in the back of my head is telling me to stick with Derek Carr. Um, he's he's probably the most level-headed person in the NFL. Well, we they
1: won the week after they the did. John Gruden stuff, and they did. a lot of that credit was to Derek Carr and what he said in the locker room. So yeah. I'm with you, especially against the Giants. Yeah,
0: if it was anybody, if it was a team any better than the Giants, I'd probably pick against them. But I like Derek Carr and company to move to six and two. All right, how bad did the Bills beat the Jaguars? Uh, a lot. Well, that's 14 and a half. Let's just point out that last week we we both picked Jacksonville and they lost. So, uh, yeah, that was a horrible pick because they lost 31 to 7. Woo. No, I like Buffalo in this game, obviously, and I think they cover the spread. It's 14 and a half. I really think Josh Allen is closer in the MVP race than a lot of people think. He's thrown from us 2,000 yards so far in seven games, 17 tutties and only three interceptions. And I still think Joe or uh, Trevor Lawrence is... Um, Still getting his feet a little bit wet in the NFL, so I like Buffalo. Yeah, we
1: we thought Trevor Lawrence was going to have himself a game, and then, nope. Give me the Bills, by. They cover, not not by too much. Yeah. All right, last noon game, Vikings go to Baltimore. Never pick the Vikings. Um,
0: (laughs) But especially when they're playing Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, easy pick for me at home, give me Baltimore.
1: Yeah, I like the Ravens at home as well. I think that they had a – I mean – they got the bye week after that terrible loss to the Bengals, so I think that they, they figured things out, and they get it done against the Vikings, who lost to the Cowboys without Dak Prescott. Now, we move on to the afternoon slate. Chargers going to the East Coast to play Philadelphia. How's this one play out? Well, we picked Los Angeles um, to win last week, and I believe we picked
0: the Eagles to lose last week, and both teams did the opposite. Hey, so... It's- <laughs>
1: Let's talk about all the bad picks, Bay. Let's do
0: that. Yeah, let's, I, I just like pointing out the obvious. Um, but I like Los Angeles again this week. The spread is one and a half. I truly think this can be a close game, but I like Justin Herbert, so give me Los Angeles.
1: Yeah, exactly. Give me, give me the Chargers. I think the Eagles. They just they were playing the Lions, so so yeah. what? So give me Justin Herbert and a lot of yards from him. Your Packers, dude. Don't Travelling even traveling to Kansas City without Aaron Rodgers they get Devontae Adams back yeah
0: without Aaron Rodgers and a few other key members with the COVID protocol but that's the exact reason why I sadly I'm gonna to have to pick against my Packers this was before the season gonna be one of the most highly anticipated games uh, throughout the season with the way Kansas City has played now and with the fact that Aaron Rodgers will be out it has now turned into sort of a dud game there at the 325 slot so give me Kansas City at home because Aaron Rodgers will be out and i I'm just praying Jordan Love shows something promising for the future. You know what
1: I'm doing right here? I'm picking your Packers. Jacob, that's, that means a lot. Faith in Jordan Love, and I think that the Chiefs probably aren't that good. So I think that Jordan Love goes in, gets it done with Devontae Adams, and I think there's a heavy dose of running the football as well for I've, the Packers.
0: I think it's going to be interesting, too, to see what their chemistry looks like and the timing of
1: everything. Right. Because um, obviously Love doesn't start, so just watch for that. All right, moving out west. The seven and one Cardinals coming off their first loss of the year, travel to San Francisco. Can Kyler Murray bounce back? I think in this pick 'em, he does bounce back. Um, that was a
0: tough loss. The way that he played last week and the way that that game ended, I think he's going to have a fire underneath his rear end. Um, and I, I really like what I've seen with Zach Ertz in that offense so far. It's going to, you know, it's going to suck not having JJ Watt there um, for the rest of the year because I believe he's officially out for the rest of the year I believe now, so. right? Yes. Yeah. So. Um, the offense is going to
1: have to carry them in that division, so I like them winning this game at 330. Yeah, give me Kyler Murray to go off in this Fox game in the afternoon and and really show why he is an MVP candidate and why the Cardinals are going to be a great football team. Bouncing back from a loss the way they did it, that, that's what they're going to show. Look at this Sunday night football matchup. Woo! Great matchup. Titans going to L.A. against the Rams. Rams are 7.5-point favorites. I think it's closer than that. But who do you have winning, babe? I have the
0: Rams at home. Um, The biggest thing to look out for is obviously going to be Von Miller. Um, His quote being, I went to sleep 4-4 and and I woke up 7-1. and So he's he's obviously excited to be out in L.A. And then uh, Tennessee, they acquired Adrian Peterson. Obviously, Derrick Henry might be out for the year. Um, So keeping an eye on that.
1: But I like Los Angeles beating the Titans on Sunday Night Football. So with Derrick Henry being out for the year, this is going to force Ryan Tannehill to do his thing. And I do think that he can do that. I think A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are starting to figure things out. And I think A.J. Brown has a big game, but it's not enough to get it done against the Rams. The Rams win by a field goal on the last play of the game. Matthew Stafford has a big game as well as Ryan Tannehill. So
0: I'm hearing like an all-time Sunday Night Football
1: matchup. Maybe not all-time, but I think it's going to be a it's good one. Good game it's game. Okay. It's going to be a good one. I would hope so. Well, we're going to go to Monday night where the quarterbacks are not as good. Ben Roethlisberger, <laughs> Justin Fields. Well,
0: well, well they're, they're not good for different reasons. Right. One's young. One's young and one's doesn't have a lot of
1: help. The other one's old and only throws to his running back in the flats, even on fourth and 10. So, yeah. this Monday night football, I'm hopefully we'll be able to watch Manning cast because I think that'll be the most entertaining part of it. Yeah. Steelers at home, six and a half point favorites. Do they get it done?
0: Steelers, they've won three in a row. They look hot and they've beaten some decent teams. So, give me them. They're going to move to five and three on the year. And Mike Tomlin in the company, or in companies, hating up shutting up the haters. I cannot
1: speak today. Never say never, never, Bay. That's what Mike Tomo would say. I'm picking the Steelers also by a field goal. Not in the last play of the game, but by a field goal. Those were our NFL week number nine predictions. On the other side of this break, Go Braves. We celebrate. One more segment before we turn off the scoreboard for the day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. We hope you have enjoyed listening.
0: You can listen to us every Thursday at 2 p.m. on WEGL 91.1 FM or at WEGLFM.com. World champions are the Atlanta Braves. Jacob is one of the happiest men on earth that I know right now. Welcome back to the scoreboard for the last segment of today's show. Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman going to discuss the 2021 World Series and your world champions, the Atlanta Braves. Woo! Can we get a chop going here in the studio? Oh, all right.
1: So <laughs> I'm just going to say, like you said, it, it was so relieving just to win that game 7 nothing and not have any pressure whatsoever, Jorge Soler, Dansby Swanson, Freddie Freeman getting it done at the play, Max Free, pitching the game of his life after getting his ankle stepped on at the top of the first inning or bottom of the first inning. What more could you ask for? It it was a storybook finish. I mean, just
0: the way the game started out, Braves going three up, three down in the first couple innings, and more in particular. I think, was it the first inning, Freed's ankle got stepped on, correct? Yes. Yes. That's storybook. I mean, in a World Series clinching game for a guy that's one of your more dominant pitchers but has ha, ha, does have some up-and-down moments to get his ankle stepped on in the first inning, now obviously unintentional. But, I mean, I, he he wasn't going to say it, but that lit a fire under him, and that dude pitched the game of his life.
1: It had to have because it, it's so similar to a quarterback getting hit on the first play of the game. It just kind of settles them in. They're ready to go. And I think that's what happened to Max Freed. He, he got stepped on and probably just – Got the juices flowing, and he he came out and he pitched
0: wonderfully. He said that it, it kind of reminded him that he didn't want the game to get out of control and that he wanted to control the pace of the game. Um, his final line, he pitched six complete innings, only four hits, no earned runs, no walks, six strikeouts, um, and he threw 50 out of 74 pitches for strikes. I mean... That's the longest start in World Series history this year. I mean, out of any starter, I mean, it was kind of a bullpen series, and we've Mm -hmm. seen that kind of gradually increase over the years uh, in more recent World Series. And then Matzick and Will Smith to close out the last three innings with a combined 4Ks. No earned runs, no walks, two combined hits over the last three innings. I mean, pitching-wise and offense-wise, you just cannot get any better than what happened.
1: No, you can't, and that's only half of the night shift. I mean, think about that. That is only half of who... The Braves like to use whenever Max Free goes his five innings. Usually Luke Jackson and A.J. Manor come in. They didn't need to because Tyler Matzik struck out four guys. He yeah. only gave up one hit. And, of course, Will Smith, six for six on save opportunities this postseason. No other closer had more than one. He even got two wins. His He held his opponents to a less than a 200 batting average. He couldn't ask much more for the Bra- from the Braves' bullpen this postseason.
0: So the biggest thing also was in the ALDS, it was Jocktober. In the ALCS... It was Rosario's time. And then in the World Series, it's Solaire's time. And I mean, it was just different guys that. And hey, all guys that
1: got acquired before the trade deadline. Y- yes,
0: exactly. All guys that had not been on the team stepping up to the plate and making the biggest impact in the World Series. Somebody tweeted a picture of like the Apple Maps and they're in uh, Houston at the ballpark. And they said, uh, like 911 or it's like Solaire's ball just landed <laughs> and it shows a pinpoint in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean,. Somebody said Soler should be arrested for the murder he just committed
1: on that fastball. That report. home run was just such a no-doubter. It was... I When he hit it... Hit it out of the ballpark! When, when he hit it, my mind was like, okay, it's probably going to be a pop fly. But then he drops the bat and starts pounding his chest. I was like, across okay, the border! See ya. Yeah. I mean, that ball was absolutely crushed. It said he only went 464 feet. Oh, come on. Maybe 564. Because that ball was absolutely crushed. It might have gone too high. That yeah. might have been the issue. And really just Jorge Soler, all three of his home runs were go-ahead home runs. Well, and
0: that that kind of – well, yeah, that speaks volumes to the acquisition that he's been. But that kind of set the tone, I'd say, because that was in the third inning. Um, he scored himself and Albies, and Albies and Rosario. That kind of set the tone for the rest of the game. And he, of course, won the MVP. Uh, other guys on offense that had a big impact in that game, Freddie Freeman went two for four. Uh, he scored once, hit two guys in. Dansby Swanson, one for four. Hit, uh, he had two RBIs. Um, I mean, that's a guy that bleeds Atlanta. I yeah. mean, you just could not, and just with the way, and I'll, I'll let you get to this because you're an actual Braves fan. The way this season went with Marcelo Zuna, Acuna going down, um, Soroka. Soroka. Yeah. And then at the beginning of the, even this series, Charlie Morton being under 500 on, on August 3rd or August 6th, something yeah. back then. I mean, the World Series wasn't even really in the in the picture. We talked about it over the summer. It was like, you know what, like it's
1: whatever. Yeah, it is what it is. And here's the thing: is I I said it to several people. I, I might have said it to you, where I was like, man, jokingly, it's gonna be sad when we win the World Series without Ronald. Well, here we are, and it, you know it, it's painful. He's so happy still. So it it he's it holding the it. trophy,
0: and somebody's like World Series champion, right. Ronald Acuna. Yeah,
1: I mean, because here's the thing: without him, the Braves don't make the playoffs. Because he single handedly won the Braves a lot of games in April and May and even a little bit in June. But that was about the time that the Braves started figuring things out. So him and obviously Soroka, hoping he would come back. Because you're in the World Series, you're missing your Cy Young and your MVP guy. Like, those are the two guys that you had that could win MVP and could win a Cy Young. And here you are, and you still win it. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's just insane from where we were to now. Because you also... Yeah, we're talking about game six, the clinching game, but look at that. I mean, look at that Saturday game. When the Astros go up 2-0, and then then the Braves come back in the last four innings, they get the run in the sixth, and then the seventh inning, back-to-back home runs from Dansby Swanson and Jorge Soler. That is just what, I mean, storybook, like you said, where you think, oh, man, here we go. Astros are going to get one, and they're going to have a chance to really clinch it in six in houston no dancy swanson horace Soler said no sir and we're gonna get it done and i was at the game on sunday It was one of the greatest experiences of my after life after the grand
0: slam i thought they were gonna win that game no
1: i was mentally preparing myself for the absolute riot that the battery was gonna be outside yeah. like i was like all right i'm not getting home till till sunrise into auburn so yeah i was preparing myself but the Astros did come back just that was not a good pitching performance by the braves as it was a bullpen game. It yeah. was tough. But I was confident on Tuesday in Max Freed, and I'm glad I was because he really came out and he pulled it through.
0: The first World Series for the Atlanta Braves uh, since 1995, another guy you just have to feel good for is Brian Snicker. Right. He is has been in that organization in Major League Baseball for a very long time. I mean, he's been coaching the Braves minor league system for a very long time. And seeing him in that post-game celebration, you knew it meant a lot to that man. And I I know it sucked having to beat his son, who was one of the hitting coaches for the Astros. Um, But personally, he has been one of the more deserving men in baseball. Um, And he is now the second oldest manager, I believe, at 66 years old to ever win a World Series title.
1: And the other thing about Snit is just how much, me included, we we criticize him.
0: I know a Trust lot. Me, I know a lot,
1: but he made some great positions, uh, great decisions this year. I, there was a game in the NLCS, I believe, where he pulled Ian Anderson to pinch hit, and Eddie Rosario hit a home run 2 to at bats later because the pinch hitter got on base. Yeah, that was one of the best decisions of the postseason, and really, I mean, that's just such an underrated decision. Not a lot of people are going to talk about it, but he deserves all the credit in the world for that. And like you said, just for how long he's just stuck it out and stuck with the Braves, it's incredible to see.
0: Yeah, he deserves it. Freddie Freeman deserves it. Yes. Ronald Acuna deserves it. But the question now going forward, and we'll get into this later, is where does Freddie Freeman end up?
1: Um, we'll have to see on that one. But hey, I-, I bet you he's signed soon. I hope he does. He will. He will.
0: But congratulations to you, Jacob, Braves country, and the new 2021 World Series champions, the Atlanta Braves. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of The School Board. If you missed it and want to go back, listen to us wherever you may find your podcast. For Jacob Hillman, I'm Bay Mark. Thanks so long. See you next Thursday and War Eagle. And listening to the scoreboard on 91.1 Weagle with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Listen every Thursday at 2 p.m. as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at weglfm.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at wegl underscore au.